This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome, everybody. This is Brett Gilliland, co-founder and CEO of Visionary Wealth Advisors and the host of this podcast, The Circuit of Success. I'm excited to be with you every single week. We want to give you the best tips and tools to help you along your journey. And so we talk to people in the medical world, the sports world, the business world, uh, leaders really of, of any facet that can just really help you along your journey. And so we're excited to do that. Uh, today, we've got Dr. Uma uh, Nadu. Dr. Uma is an amazing person. You're going to get a lot of stuff from this. We got very in-depth on food and our brain, water, exercise, so many different things. But here's what the Michelin-starred chef David Boulay described Uma as. She's the world's first triple threat in the food as medicine space. She's a Harvard-trained psychiatrist, professional chef, and a nutritional specialist. Her niche work is in the nutritional psychiatry. So that's what she does on her, her day job. Uh, and she's regarded both nationally and internationally as a medical pioneer in this more newly recognized field. So again, Harvard trained and working with the nutritional psychiatrist. Uh, you're going to hear in this, we talked about setting a baseline for your food and your brain, really. The importance of food, exercise, water, sleep. These are all things we know. We know they're important. We know they're important to focus on. We know they're important to do. But we really get to hear it from a Harvard trained doctor on what it does to our gut, to our brain, and our overall body, whether that's OCD, anxiety, depression, anger. And the more we do of the good stuff, obviously, the better we're going to get. We talked about, is there one habit that you can change today? Just think about that. The simple one thing that you can change today to move your forward, move your life in the right direction. Things to eat, things not to eat, how important meal preparation is. And then the one I liked is just, it's so simple, but yet so true is your body intelligence. Be smart, know your body. There's so many different things out there today that we can use, whether that's a whoop bracelet, an aura ring, an Apple watch, and many, many other things that we can use to track, whether that's our sleep, our water intake, exercise, anything that's out there. And the more we know our body, the more intelligent we can be, the better life we're going to live. So I hope you enjoyed, uh, Dr. will enjoy Dr. Uma Naidu as much as I enjoyed interviewing her. So here's the show with Dr. Uma Naidu. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm back for another great episode with Dr. Uma Naidu. Uma, how are you doing today? I'm great, Fred. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's great to be with you. I can see that amazing book right above your head there. It looks pretty good up there, right? How's that feel? <laughs> you know, it feels good that the book is out. It, it definitely was a challenge early on in the pandemic, but I'm really glad that people are hearing about it and reading it and are interested in this work. So. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it is amazing to have you. You've got a, you're doing unbelievable things out there and helping the world. And so I'm really excited to dive into a conversation today. And so you are a doctor, you are a nutritional psychiatrist, you do clinical services, you've got the book and you're really helping spread the word on what, what really food does to our brain. And so that's what we're excited to talk to you about today. But, you know, I know you're a Harvard grad. I mean, you're very well studied and, and, and those things and would love to spend time just getting to know a little bit about the backstory on who knew, uh, uh, excuse me, who Uma is today and what's made you the woman you are today. Well, thank you. That's, I appreciate your asking that. You know, I think many things, some of it really starts with my roots in my family. I grew up in a large Indian family in South Africa and I skipped out of preschool, didn't want to go. My mom was in medical school. And so I would hang out with my maternal grandmother to whom my book is dedicated. And I learned a lot about food. I guess I learned about natural stuff. You know, she would literally pick vegetables from the garden and I would help her prepare food and meals. But I also learned yoga and meditation from my grandparents who would spend the daytime with me. And also had uncles and my mom who were in science, you know, in in, in medicine. So there was this part of the family that was an allopathic medicine and also a couple of Ayurvedic practitioners. So there was this sort of holistic kind of impression of life that I got both from nutrition, from medical sciences, but also Ayurvedic practitioners. So when, when I started studying and, you know, I understood more about psychiatry, I know and knew the medications on the one hand were life-saving to my patients and they have been, but they also had devastating side effects. So I really felt that the missing conversation was what else are people doing? Like, what are they eating? Are they exercising? Are they doing other things to feel emotionally better? And I really came in with that mindset, maybe, I think, based on my background. So I began to ask questions and a, a very sort of a moment early on in my career really reinforced how important it was to interpret information to an individual who's taking medication when a patient yelled at me. And, you know, he was, he was just upset thinking I'd caused him to gain weight but it actually was not true. But when I interpreted information based on what he was drinking and the empty calories he was consuming in his large Dunkin' Donuts coffee, which is a big favorite in Boston, you know, conveyed to him that he was consuming like more than a quarter cup of processed cream and eight teaspoons of sugar, at least in a day, in this large 20 ounce coffee that he was having. I saw his eyes light up because it was, you know, his realization and that connection was also my aha moment because he understood then he could he had he had control he could change this someone was giving him information that that he understood and i i felt if more people knew that especially in mental health where there are many side effects including weight gain or medications that it could be a very powerful tool so i just continued to pursue it continue to ask questions continue to ask my patients what what else they were doing and of course that's a challenge because visits are very short but it, it really started off from there but it, it it came with a lot of pursuing things that I enjoyed learning about and that I loved to do. Food is certainly something that I enjoy being around. And I cared that nutrition was not something I knew enough about at that point. And I decided, well, I really had to fill in that gap. Yeah, I love that. I know in your bio here on your website at Dr. Uma Naidu, N-A-I-D-O-O, talks about, you know, the food choices, right? The food choices that we make and really how that can help with our health issues from ADHD, anxiety, depression, OCD, among other things. And I think that's so important, right? Because I think sometimes we can just think we're just 
born with that or it just happens to us or maybe I just have anxiety or maybe I have ADHD. But really what we're consuming, what I'm learning from you, from the studies I've done is what we put into our body is really what we're going to get out of the body, which I know sounds like common sense, but it's so true. Absolutely. And, and you're absolutely right. It, it does sound like common sense, but it's a missing conversation in the room. And it's not the only factor that affects our mental health. I think we all know that. It's one of the things that, that impacts it. And it's one of the things that we overlook in terms of impacting our mental health. And that's where nutritional psychiatry is powerful because people know that they may, need, may or may not need a medication. They are different forms of therapy, but, but no one is talking to their doctors about that emotional connection. You know, we'll speak about family history of diabetes or weight gain during COVID, but not necessarily about mental health in relation to our dietary needs or how we're eating. And I think that using that can really help all of us, even a little bit. To, to even by excluding foods that may be driving certain symptoms that becomes very powerful information to someone. Yeah. So I think, you know, today, right, we're going through this pandemic. We're hopefully on the other side of this. It's July of 2021. We're recording this. But w- when you think about the food intake and, and you think about the lives that people are living right now, there's been a lot of stress, been a lot of anxiousness, anxiety. What, what are some of the things that you can take away if there's a listener listening to this right now that says, okay, if I, if I want to really focus on my stress and anxiety. What do I need to be consuming and what do I not need to be consuming? Absolutely. So the list of things not to consume is actually shorter. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say that in my book, the list of foods to embrace are always longer. You know, if you're stressed and stressed and you, you're worrying a lot and the pandemic, which has been hard for most people, they're not, you know, think about the things that you're doing and the habits that you might've picked up, which may not be the best for you. Look at whether you're consuming processed, ultra-processed kind of junk foods and fast foods. If you're kind of ordering takeout all the time, a lot of takeout foods, especially fast foods, have processed vegetable oils, ton of added preservatives, sodium, as well as added sugar. So that's a good place to start maybe reworking what you're eating. Another category is actually, you know, the added and refined sugars, which most often aren't savory foods that people don't realize. So pasta sauces, ketchup, um, salad dressings, you know, are often a trick for people because they don't realize they're taking in so much added sugars in those. Another group is artificial sweeteners. Many of my patients, you know, struggle a little bit with consuming too much sugar because it's really everywhere in our food and might say, well, I'm going to give up sugar and I'm going to go to, you know, diet soda or sugar-free items. The problem is if these are sweetened with artificial sweetness, that can drive symptoms of mental issues as well, such as stress and anxiety. And, and so that's important for, for people to know. And then it's the, you know, the types of fats we're consuming. The trans fats are not good for us. And so trans fats actually can worsen behavioral aggression. So staying away from those you know, foods that have trans fats becomes another category to be aware of. But then you know, there are things you can do in addition to thinking, is there one habit that I can change today. Right now, as I'm listening to this, is there something I'm doing? Maybe it's drinking more water. Maybe it's spending more time outdoors. 10 minutes of outdoor time in in sunlight, you know, will actually improve your vitamin D levels. And it provides about 80% of what you need for vitamin D in a day. And vitamin D is linked to improving anxiety and helping mood. So it's worth it. That's a simple thing. Then, you know, in terms of food, 
maybe taking out that one food that you've been leaning on a lot during the pandemic that might be causing you problems, maybe you've noticed it, maybe changing that out for a healthy swap. And, you know, foods to think about a bu- some of the building blocks of nutritional psychiatry are going to those colorful fruits and vegetables because a rainbow of colors brings back plant polyphenols, rich in antioxidants and anti-inflammatory foods to your gut microbes. It's really need to be taken care of as well as fiber. That's what they eat. You know, leafy greens, we talk about eating salads, but the greener, the better. Actually, the folate content of these greens are very important in mental health because low levels of folate associated with depression. So when I say eat a salad, I'm not saying, I'm not being frivolous and saying, oh, just improve you know, improve a healthy habit. There's actual science behind why that matters in mental health. And then there are things, uh, you know, like prebiotic foods, consuming fermented foods, which help the gut bacteria and really leaning on fiber-rich foods, sulfurophane vegetables, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, asparagus. Those are great, again, for the gut microbes because they bring back fiber and you can't get fiber from animal or seafood protein. So you've got to build in your vegetables somewhere. Beans, nuts, seeds, legumes, healthy whole grains you can obviously still consume other foods as well any type of protein that you like just make sure that it's more of a clean protein and the source of the protein matters when you can and i know that these are expensive sometimes but it's a balance of of how how you put those things together so those are just some of them and in addition to what people have heard like omega-3 fatty acids from fatty seafood but also plant-based sources things like that yeah i i think that that's phenomenal and so let's let's play this out though so i think the world we live in is so busy in chaos whether that's kids events or work and all that kind of stuff where I know I struggle personally, I'll be, I'll be transparent and vulnerable here is it's just a lot easier when like last night, thankfully I didn't do this, but I went home and had, you know, egg, uh, two eggs on peanut butter toast with avocado. Okay. That was my dinner. I don't know if that's good. I don't know if it's bad, but, but you know what? It was a choice because it was a, it would have been a lot easier to stop through like Chick-fil-A on the way home from soccer at right. 7.30 last night after a full day right. at work. So, right. so what advice right. do you have for those of us that are running around crazy, choosing the easier right. thing versus the, the harder thing to do? Absolutely. So it's definitely harder to prepare something, right? And, and I think the ways that we can make them easier is when when you're eating something at home, you know what's going into it. You know the amount of salt you're adding. You know if the type of fat you're using, if you're frying an egg or however you're preparing it. It's very different when you're getting it from a fast food place because, you know, fast food french fries have sugar in them. You don't realize it and you don't taste it, but they, they engineer it to be hyper palatable. So that's why you always upsize them. When you upsize, you can't put the whole bag down. You eat the whole thing. So, so it's important to at least acknowledge that trying or making an effort to do something at home is healthier. Studies have also shown that when we prepare meals at home, we consume fewer calories, even when we're not following a special diet. So let's take what you made. Avocado, healthy fat. You know, eggs, great source of protein for those who consume eggs. A lot of people feel strongly about eggs or dairy and different food groups. I'm much more diet agnostic. I rather would say to you, Brett, where do you get your eggs or what what types of eggs do you get? And, you know, getting pastured eggs becomes important from cage-free chickens, that type of thing, if you can. If you can't, it's still a healthy protein. It's still something you know how you're preparing it. So I think that it's even that is is a better choice than any fast food place because it's it's simply better from four of those facts that I mentioned. For people who are super busy like yourself, 
sometimes meal preparation helps and choosing a day of the week together with the spouse, maybe the, the efforts are shared or whoever helps you at home, you know, someone shops, someone's pre- prepares the food so that, you know, for the kids, there are things like healthy cut veggies in the fridge and some hummus, you know, as, as, because if it's there, that's, that's the option to eat versus, you know, chocolates, candy, and ice cream, all of which could be fun, but are not best for their brain health or yours or mine. So, so that's where meal prep comes in, but also things like batch cooking and making some, some meals for the week and, you know, even breakfast for the week, chia pudding, overnight oats, things that everyone can have that are simply done a few days ahead. Um, some families could prepare things for most of the week. Others might need to do two days of, of, of short meal prep. It doesn't have to take a lot of time and the kids can be involved. They can, they can help to clean vegetables. They can wash, you know, wash the apples. They can set up the fruit. Things where they actually become involved is also, also I feel important because it's, it's really naturally educating them. And then, you know, if you, if you really stuck another a pretty decent choice is a rotisserie chicken from a supermarket. And I would just ask if they cook it in any oils, if they, if they just cooking it in a rotisserie oven with, it, with the skin of the chicken. It's actually pretty decent as a choice if you eat chicken, because when they're not adding extra stuff to it, you know, it's it's a meal that can last if that, you know, if it's a small family, you can start with that with side, a side of vegetables. The next day you can put it in a soup. You can make, you know, chicken tacos. You can do lots of different, you can be innovative with it. You can add it mm. to a salad. So it's one way to multi-purpose one item that's relatively you know, it's, it's not a bad choice. It's not the same as buying a, a going to a fried chicken place sort of thing. So, right. so I think that those are other ways to think out of the box a little bit to make it easy. And then you transition to, you know, I, the, the more that I work with people around making things at home and they learn these easy tips and tricks, they want to do more of it because it's, it's then it's ready. It's in the fridge and you put it together before your meal or, you know, you, you have, you have some things that you can do. So it's, it's a little yeah. easier that way. It, it, and so talk to us, we go back to those fast food choices that I think we can all be guilty of and maybe some more than others. Us, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> what is it actually doing to our brain? Like what is that actually, what is actually going on up there? Right. So let's go back to those French fries. You don't taste sugar when you eat French fries, but they, they are made in a, in a, and they, they're made to be, like I said, hyper palatable, but they're also ultra processed. So when you buy a food in a fast food place, that food is meant to last a while. It is, it does have a lot of preservatives, often a lot of extra salt and fillers and other colorants, dyes, many, many different things that are not actually good for your health, but also not good for your gut. A lot of those those ingredients actually are disruptive to the gut and pro-inflammatory. So take a simple thing like the processed vegetable oils, which are inexpensive and are often used in fast food places. Those are pro-inflammatory. So as you're consuming more of that, your body becomes more and more inflamed. And most importantly, your gut tends to get inflamed. So what tends to happen in the gut is there's an imbalance of the good microbes that are there to protect you, help you with digestion, help you with immunity, help you with your sleep cycles, circadian rhythm, hormones, so many things, so many other things as well. But when, you, when you're just feeding the bad microbes down there with you know, the processed vegetable oils and, and the you know, artificial sweeteners and the processed sugars, they start to thrive and they start to thrive. They set up for inflammation in the gut. And over time, inflammation in the gut really causes an uptick of mental health symptoms like depression, anxiety, and others, because 
gut inflammation ends up being brain inflammation. And it's one way to realize that those foods are just over time, not the best choices for us. Wow. I'm writing that down. It's a writer downer, as I would say that because, you know, it's just, again, it's so easy, right? And I'm, I'm guilty of this stuff and, and it's just in yeah, our world. Everyone, no one is perfect. Yeah. It's, it's, you yeah. Know. And so is there anything, obviously you'd rather, if I go to, let's just pick any restaurant you want, we won't name names, but if I go there, I guess, uh, you know, a big greasy burger is worse than getting the the grilled chicken sandwich. You have to do it. There's healthier choices at those restaurants. Clearly. A lot of these places, they have healthier choices, right? They have maybe something that's less processed. So grilled chicken, if you can actually see that it's a piece of chicken, that might be a healthier choice. That doesn't exclude anything else. They might be adding the processed bread. It doesn't exclude the any, any you know processed vegetable oils. But I think it's it's sort of going back to what you made at home last night, Brett. You know that you know you knew the items that went into the food that you ate. You know you you yeah. used a certain certain type of cooking oil to make that, or however you prepared your eggs. It it is it is a slight difference. I know it takes effort, but it's it's that much different when something is handed to you, whether it's a restaurant or fast food place, but with fast food places being a little bit more problematic, you you know, you really don't know what went into preserving that food. And with versus taking, you know, avocado from your countertop or your fridge and, you know, taking eggs out of your fridge and meat. So I think it's 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 really about sort of the bigger picture of where it's yes. taking our health. The one of fast food, I think everyone does. It's very hard in this world that we live in to avoid processed, ultra-processed foods. But, uh, but what we have to realize is that in a 24-hour period, the gut microbes, the gut, back, gut bacteria start to change based on what we're eating. So I say to people, if you're choosing that healthier choice, they, they're improving in a good way. The good, the good microbes are thriving. But if you're continuing to go through the fast food lane, the bad microbes are continuing to thrive. They start to change in 24 hours, but you don't feel it immediately. It's, it takes a little bit more time. And, and you know when people have an uptick of symptoms based on this, often tracing back their, their food and what their pattern has been will reveal that there's a connection. So I want to talk about what I'm, I'm going to make this up. I'm going to call them the power four. Uh, so when I say food, exercise, water, and sleep. So food, exercise, water, and sleep. If it's even possible, can we rank those for overall, just overall optimal health to live our best life? What would you say? Absolutely. I will. Firstly, I love that uh, because it, it really, uh, I believe in a holistic, integrated, and functional model in psychiatry, meaning that I talk mostly about nutrition, but it really is is all of those things, right? Mm -hmm. I think they're all important to different degrees. And I think that it's the combination of how we are taking care of our nutrition, getting some regular exercise, making sure we're hydrated. So take hydration, for example. Water is, is our best choice. When people are dehydrated, they can appear, can even present with a panic attack can present with severe anxiety because they don't realize they're dehydrated. Dehydration is also linked to depression. So just keeping, you know, keeping a bottle of water and being adequately hydrated during the day, it's actually important for mental health as well as physical health. When people are not sleeping well, um, they can become more irritable, more angry, um, feel more on edge, and actually feel more depressed over time. So sleep becomes extremely important. And, and during the pandemic, people have have struggled a lot with poor sleep and worry associated with that. 
you know, with exercise, I try to encourage people along a pathway because when I deal with individuals who are severely depressed, um, you know, telling them to do X number of minutes of exercise may be too overwhelming. But if I can get them to walk the dog, go out and buy a newspaper, go out and buy walk to get a cup of coffee, start there with movement, but then build it up from there, it becomes important, but, but critically important to our overall health, but also our mental health. And, you know, food is, is what we're talking about. So, so of course, that is a, a cornerstone of improving our mental health, but also our physical health. Yeah, this is phenomenal. So to the, re-say what you just said there, water, I mean, it's so that de- dehydration, the number one leader to anxiety, depression, things like that, right? That's how it kind of manifests itself. It, it can, it can. If you dehydrate, many things can happen in your body. Yeah. You know that from the medical perspective, but people don't realize that when you're dehydrated, you can actually appear, you can feel much more anxious. And I've seen people who present with panic when they're severely dehydrated. Yeah. So, What do you recommend water intake? So an average of six to eight glasses a day, uh, six to eight cups of glasses a day is for the average person. And then there's, you know, deeper calculations on that. But really keeping, making sure that you're sipping throughout the day on just, you know, clean filtered water, a good source of water um, is helpful. So at least six to eight glasses a day, which often is about, uh, you know, say the 16 ounce bottle of water, at least four of those a day. So okay. that, that may seem like a lot, but I usually have people get a glass or a, a some sort of metal flask for water and just keep filling it. And yeah. that, that's an easy way to keep track. Yeah, it, it's so it's so important to get that as a, as a great habit. So I think, I mean, just overall the water intake, you know, it's funny, I wear this whoop band, right? And it talks about my yeah, sleep right. and recovery and, and all this stuff. It's right. phenomenal. And I have found that I have better sleep if I'm between eight and 10 glasses of water than if I have 12 plus glasses of water, I don't sleep as well. Good to know, because it could be, you know, that may, depending on the size of glass you're drinking, you know, maybe too much for your body. You may be getting up to go to the bathroom. It could be many different things. And I I like that because it's, you're paying attention to what I call body intelligence, you know, whether it's water, whether it's food, whether it's a spice, whatever it is, it's, it's, you know, you, you, your body's letting you know how it's doing with that amount. And um, I think that's key. It's key with food. It's key with their, for everything that we do. Yeah. And so when you think of all the things that you talk about in your nutritional psychiatrist world, what, what's maybe that one or two, I mean, we've talked about all of them today, I'm sure, but mm-hmm. if you just said that the easiest one I've seen, the easiest fix that you've seen through all your mm-hmm. clients and through your work with your book and speaking and all the things that you're doing, what's that one or two easiest fix for us? People notice the most change with two things in my clinical experience. One is paying attention to added and refined sugars. When they start to cut out sugar in their food, it doesn't happen overnight because what you don't want to do is sort of shock your body into sort of giving up sugar overnight. But when they pay attention to maybe they're using a pasta sauce every day that has a ton of added sugar that they don't realize, they start to notice a change. They start to feel fewer cravings, they start to feel healthier within a week, just by paying attention and starting to say, have a piece, have a clementine or an apple instead of reaching for candy and ice cream. Uh, A simple simple thing. The other one I have to say is hydration because um, many people just forget or they think that drinking a soda or a juice is hydrating. 
Um, but soda and sodas and juices have the added sugars. They're not really purely hydrating for our bodies. And, you know, the sports, sports drinks are, not this, uh, are, are fall under that category. That's very different from people who are trying to change the electrolyte balance. So there's some electrolyte powders and electrolyte things. That's slightly different because they're meaning to kind of get your electrolyte balance back. But I'm talking about sort of the large sports drinks, which are very sugar laden, are just not best ways to hydrate yeah. which is crazy that's what we give our kids right i mean you're at a baseball game it's like it's 100 degrees out and you're like oh give me a gatorade in you know which is two bottles of water would be a heck of a lot better for you so talk talk to us about be importance for our children right as a, as a father of four boys who i don't pay attention to how much water they drink but it's probably not a lot how important is hydration for even for children hydration is important um for all age groups the things that change are you know I think making sure that the child is otherwise healthy, that they're sipping on water versus soda versus a juice is probably just an easy tweak to make. Maybe trying to get them into that earlier on in life may be a better choice. In older folk could be just making sure that their kidneys are functioning adequately and they're not developing other medical symptoms. So making sure that they're checking, you know, they've checked in with their doctors and that kind of stuff. So I think hydration is super important. Often, actually, a a hunger signal is a, mis- a thirst signal is hu- are mistaken for a hunger signal because of where these originate in the brain. So often if someone is, has a craving or feeling super hungry, just having a simple glass of water can help fend off the hunger because they actually didn't realize that they were thirsty. So yes, very important for kids. And I think that, you know, even having choices of bottles of water or getting them to start carrying a little flask that they have to fill at home or fill at school becomes an important habit that you that you build and that that's you know not not with you know a lot of the fruit juices bread um they 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 market it as healthy and nutritious and having this and that but they have the fiber from the fruit removed and stripped they don't have the nutrients and vitamins. I always say, you know, eat the orange, skip the whole, skip the store-bought orange juice because the orange has everything you need in it. Yeah. So even having, you know, pieces of fresh fruit or slicing pieces of fresh fruit into the water to make it interesting for kids, that even that could be a slightly better choice than just just the juices because those 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 bring back, you know, a lot of added sugar for them. What's your philosophy on smoothies, you know, blending the food up or juicing where you're getting all the liquid out of the food? Do you have a preference of one over the other? I don't, only because I I think that, you know, look, if someone's putting in healthy ingredients and they're trying to replace a meal so that they, because they're busy and they want to get in some nutrition, certainly that's okay. You know, but I will tell you that adding, when the moment that you juice a fruit, it does change the structure and it changes the glycemic index. So you want to be careful about not putting five different types of fruit in because then you really are increasing the sugar load on your body in that time. So, you know, some berries, avocado, you know, maybe some nuts and seeds, maybe almond milk or, or whatever it is that you put in. I think the ingredients become important. And then with me, it's, it's also everything in moderation. So if you said to me, I'm having three shakes a day, I'd be like, well, you actually need to be eating a little bit of actual food, you know, yeah. but if it's something that's like a, like, you know, a busy person who wants to get something in and in terms of juicing fruit, I really think people should just eat the fruit in, in all honesty. I just, I just think, you know, eat yeah. the orange, eat the apple, same with, same thing with kids, cut up the fruit, have them learn to peel it, 
have it be a fun activity, have them make, you know, fruit kebabs, you know, which can be fun and encourage them to eat fruit versus, versus something else. It's just, yeah. I think it's about how we interact with food as well. I love it. I love it. So what was it like when you decided, Hey, I'm going to go to Harvard, you know, let's, let's flip the page here to talk about how you're going to help us and talk about the success you've had. And, and so all, which we'll, we'll put in all the bios, but you know, I thought it was pretty cool. You were the, what does it say here? The, the very first uh, psychiatrist to be awarded the coveted Curtis uh, Prout scholar in medical education. That's a big deal. Let's talk I, I about will. some Thank of those you. things. Absolutely. So I was fortunate enough to study, do my psychiatry training. And during that time, you know, I, I, I think I, you know, it's funny, but I, I compete mostly with my, I compete with myself. So for me, it's always been, um, I was always encouraged by my parents to follow things that I love to do. And, and I was very grateful for that. And, you know, there were, there were never any barriers to that. So if I wanted to study something and I decided to go to culinary school, it was, well, why not? You know, if I, if I can fit in the time. And um, this particular award was actually won in medical education, a very prestigious award through the medical school that you applied for to really learn to, I didn't know that, honestly, with, with the book coming out, how much education would be a part of my life. But I'm so grateful for having done that fellowship. And it tended to be that psychiatrists had not been awarded that. Um, so I was very honored to, to be the first psychiatrist and, and to use it in medical education and then to really take those tools that I learned. And now it's actually helping with the book and spreading the word of uh, the work I do. That's great. That's great. So um, I want one more uh, word of advice here from you. So when you think about meditation and practicing gratitude, I know we talked about how important your brain is on food, but how important is it for your brain on meditation and gratitude as well? It's actually become so, so important, especially with the research that's being, that's being done. There was, there was a study from early 2020 that looked at pranayama breathing. So, so breathing your breathwork yoga and the effect on the cardiovascular system, but it also showed an improvement in depression and anxiety. So, you know, I, I spoke about learning meditation and yoga from my grandparents. It's, you know, it's something that I, I, I lean on. Um, and over time, really some of the, the research and, and scientific evidence has really has proven that things like mindfulness, not only do they improve how we're feeling, if it's something that appeals to you, they actually also affect the gut microbes. So it's, you know, when we say gut feeling, it's, 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 it's much more than, than we, than we originally thought. Um, and so I, I think that, that if it's something that appeals to a person, it's really worth the practice. I don't like asking people to become mindful or use gratitudes if it's not something that's in sync with them. Um, you know, some people, it's, it's not for them. Uh, yoga is not for them, or, or but meditation and mindfulness can be helpful to anyone. It doesn't have to be based on spirituality or religion. It can just be, you know, being being at peace with your thoughts for a few minutes. It it can yeah. be, you know, taking a walk and clearing your mind. Um, it can be spending time in nature, you know, which I'm a big fan of. So, so I think that it's um, it's hugely important. It's hugely important in my world. But I will also say it's not not it doesn't appeal to everyone. And you just said this nature is hugely important. And I'm hearing more and more uh, people come out and talk about the power of being in nature and, you know, walking around in a park or the woods, if you have that opportunity, mm -hmm. whatever it may be. Why, why is that so important? And what's it doing for our bodies that we don't even know it? Because you can't feel it in the moment. You can't feel it in the moment. I think that, the, you know, 
the way I think about it is firstly, being outdoors is good for us. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's spending, I mentioned vitamin D early on, and that's an important part of it. But I think it also brings a sense of peace and mindfulness, um, just spending, you know, whether it's walking in a park or you have access to maybe a, a forest or other greenery or trees. There's something about just being and breathing um, in nature that is very calming to the body, mind, and soul. Um, and I think that the more we encourage those, what I consider almost a mindful practice, um, instead of the somewhat, and I'm guilty of it myself, you know, the somewhat rushed, pressured lives we lead. I think the, uh, the I, I, I think the less stressed we can be, the better. And where you can engage with nature will help with your stress reduction, which I happen to think will make a big That's difference. Beautiful. So this is it right here. This is your brain on food, uh, an indispensable guide to the surprising foods that fight depression, PTSD, ADHD, anxiety, OCD, and more. Uh, this is your book. It's amazing. So talk to us about that. What, uh, what made you decide, hey, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to take that next step and because uh, you don't have to do that, but you've chosen to do that and we're thankful Great. that you did. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I did as well. You know, it actually happened, it sort of happened, I wouldn't say by mistake, but it happened sort of serendipitously. I was being interviewed for an article in the Wall Street Journal a few years ago and had a good conversation with the reporter, thought nothing of it. Um, you know, I've been blogging for Harvard Health and sort of writing articles about the gut and the brain and kind of just working in my clinic, doing my work. Um, and this particular Wall Street Journal article called Feed Your Head was in a weekend edition of the Wall Street Journal and happened to go viral. And when it went viral, um, some publishers as well as agents reached out to me and said, have you thought to write a book? And that was how the idea was, so how, that was how the idea came about. I hadn't really been thinking, oh, I have to you know, write a book. And so uh, <laughs> the process started of finding the right agent and, uh, and it, that's how it all unfolded. So I was you know, very grateful that it, that it happened that way. And Which you know, is great because you really, it was a value added, yeah. it was value added work that you were doing in the Wall Street Journal and then people see it and then they want to, they want more of it. So that's, that's good. Yeah. Well, I like that. Yeah. It was great. I was, I was very happy that it happened. Very nice. And so yeah. our listeners find more of Dr. Uma Naidu. A few, a few different places, Brett. So for one thing, you can find me on social media at the at sign D-R-U-M-A-N-A-I-D-O-O, which is at Dr. Uma Naidu. Actually, I'm running a live Instagram series every Wednesday at 12 noon Eastern for a few minutes. I get online and talk to people and answer their questions. And you can submit questions to my website, umanaidumd.com, and look for the tab which asks you to submit a question. Uh, what we try to do is, is pull together a few questions that I can answer in that time. And that's another way to interact with me but you'll also get blogs, uh, newsletters, and other information on my website. So I hope you'll uh, hope you'll come find me. I'd love to Perfect. interact with you. Well, for those listening uh, on Apple or any other uh, major uh, podcast station, you can find it in the show notes. We'll put all the uh, links to your website, your social media, and tune in on Wednesdays uh, on Instagram at noon Eastern time uh, for some great advice. And uh, maybe, you know, who knows, maybe connect with you and get your they get their questions answered, right? Absolutely. I hope to do that. And you, you know, you can find the book on my website at it's just umanaidumd.com or any local bookseller or online wherever you shop. 
Beautiful. Well, uh, Uma, thanks so much for being with us. Tons of takeaways today. The power of food, exercise, water, sleep, things to avoid, things to eat, meal preparation, body intelligence. I love that. That was one I wrote down and I really liked. It's just, I just wrote, be smart and know your body. And so if I can just be smart, know my body, get my data, whether it's Apple watches, whoops, whatever it may be, there's tons of stuff out there. You can't hide from it today. The more we know, the better we are. So I really appreciate all you're doing for us out there in the world with our brains and our body. Thank you, Brett. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 